0: Welcome to WrestleBuddy's GameSpot's wrestling podcast about wrestling, friendship, and wrestling with friendship. I am GameSpot News Entertainment Editor Matt Elfring, and with me is my closest WrestleBuddy, GameSpot Entertainment Editor Chris Hayner, Chris, tell me how you're doing with words. I'm fantastic. You got my title that time For the listeners. That was not the first time we recorded that intro. And guess what? I bet you'll hear it at the end of today's episode. Probably not. Oh, even better. <laughs> uh, I'm good, Matt. I am. It's well, I'm as good as can be in the current state of the world, yeah. Uh, so full disclosure if you listen to the show, we record about a week and a half early. So the episode that you had just listened to was about the coronavirus, uh, which came out during the week of the George Floyd protests. Uh, So if that doesn't feel timely, that's why. Yeah. And we are currently we're recording. We're recording this in a situation where there are protests around the country. Uh, I I don't know about you in not Chicago, but in in, in Los Angeles, we have been under curfew all week. and And it's just... This is the kind of this is the kind of the weird points. Like, what do you say about this? And I have been uh, saying on the Twitter and saying to people, um, first of all, Black Lives Matter, Absolutely. second of all, listen, just just listen. That's make people need to have their voices heard that are that are feeling um, this daily racism in their lives and just listen to them, amplify their voices that's, that's about all I really want to say about that. You don't need another white guy from the suburbs opinion about all this. Right. Uh, this past week I've, I've spent, i gone largely silent on social media except for to amplify others who we should be listening to right now because honestly like matt said you don't you don't need to hear what we have to say about this because we are both incredibly privileged on so many levels that others are not Mm. and that's what this is all about i've also just gone out of my way to support black-owned local businesses which is something very very easy for anyone to do at this point so again, listen, just try to understand the the pain that everyone is feeling. This is pain that they feel in their daily lives. So the anger that you may have towards what's going on in this country is something that they feel on a daily basis. And just try to understand that. Try to walk a, a mile in someone else's shoes. Try to support uh, the voices of the unheard. Yeah. Black lives matter. And please yeah. forgive us while we spend the next hour uh, getting a little silly about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> When you start off on a a kind of somber note about the seriousness uh, going on in this country, it's kind of hard to get back into the weirdness and silly of this show. But Chris, what do we got on the menu for this week? (sighs) There's actually we've got some really good stuff going on this week. First of all, we're going to be talking about singing wrestlers. You know them. I know them. We love them or Sometimes we hate them because they're terrible, but there are so many examples of wrestlers that either have singing characters or are actually singers and or rappers in real life and bring that into the world of wrestling. And that's very exciting. Like, for instance, Kiss. No, I'm kidding. We're not talking about the Kiss (laughs) Demon again. Uh, We're also going back to school with Professor Elfring for Wrestling 101, where Matt is going to teach us about jobbers. The job squad, Mm. the poor, poor people whose job it is to just lose every single week. Uh, Ooh, we also have questions from the listeners today. We've taken questions from the GameSpot Discord, and we've taken questions from Twitter, and we are going to answer them for you. But that's all later. Before any of that, Matt, we're going to have a, I would say, not a not a serious discussion, but a relatively uh, serious talk about what makes a great wrestling stable. I I am excited. Uh, Chris and I were talking earlier this week. We've had a uh, chit chatting like we normally do about, Oh man, what's our favorite stables? What's our, what's our top stables of all time. And then I was like, wait a minute, like the top and whatever and favorite that's fine. But like, what what makes a stable a great stable? Well, first, you have to be the new brood. <laughs> you gotta be the new brood. That's it. That's all you need. Let's dive right in and play that sweet intro music, Stinger. <laughs> do 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 <laughs> So, Chris, what what is a stable? This is, is this Wrestling 101 now? I guess it is. What is a stable? Uh, for the uninitiated, a stable is just a group of wrestlers that sort of come together under a common banner like your D-Generation X's or your NWO's or looking at the, the Shield, for instance. The Shield was a stable in WWE. Currently, we have, I guess, I don't even know what to like. We have the New Day. Who else do we have in WWE? Undisputed just, Era. Undisputed Era. Are, ooh, yeah. I would say New Day and Undisputed Era are arguably two of the better stables WWE has ever had. I feel in a weird in a weird place with this because I would undisputed era is undisputedly a stable. Yes. New Day to me isn't really a stable because I don't know is three people a stable? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you ask Legacy? Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase Jr. Why don't you ask the Brood? Gangrel, Edge, and Christian, or the New Brood? Gangrel and the Hardy Boys. <laughs> okay, that question has been answered. Three people is a stable. Uh, and it could be argued that technically the New Day is a tag team. They often perform as a tag team defending their titles under the Freebird rules. But given that they are uh, more than a two man unit acting as a singular unit consistently, I would definitely call them a stable. OK, that that is settled. Three people is a stable. Um, but I want to I want to make something clear to me, it's more than a tag team with a manager. That's not a stable to me. Mm, that's mm. a tag team with a manager. Eminem is not a stable. TNA is not a stable. If you don't know who either of those are, you're lucky. I see. <laughs> Eminem, that's Marshall Mathers, the, the rapper boy. Yeah. Yeah. He was, a, he was his very own tag team with a manager all by himself. So I, I the first question that we should really be asking is does a stable a group of wrestlers need to have a defined leader. Chris, your thoughts first. I go back and forth on this. I've in my mind, so many of the best stables have a defined leader. You look at D you look at the original DX. You have Shawn Michaels. You look at the NWO. You have Hulk Hogan, uh, four Ev- horseman, Rick Flair, four horsemen had Rick, uh, evolution yeah. had triple H, uh, the oh, looking at more modern times, the inner circle has Chris Jericho as sort of the leader of that faction. Dark Order Brody Lee. There no take it back, Matt. What Brody Lee's slowly growing on me, but I st- I'm still not ready to call the Dark Order a great stable. I, OK, OK. I'm just I, I was calling them a stable in general. Oh, OK, yes, yes. Um, I can't I can only name one of the people in said stable. That's not Brody Lee. Stu grayson you know oh and then there's still. just other guys but so but yes the, t- typically they do have a defined leader but the new day does not have like i feel like the new day is a like the whole point of the new get new day is equality among those three wrestlers yes um they, i they they none of them have a leverage point over the other they're all great on the mic they're all great in the ring I guess Xavier Xavier would be more of the mouthpiece for that group, but Kofi talks just as much and Big E talk, you know, like, see, they I would, all kind yeah, of work in tangent with each other. I would say he's definitely the mouthpiece, but then at the same time, there were so many times when he was he functioned primarily as the mouthpiece while Kofi and uh, Big E uh, handled the majority of the wrestling, at least on television. Uh, I know that that, that doesn't make them a leader, right? As, as the group evolved, they sort of, they definitely evened out uh, the wrestling roles. Uh, And sadly, Xavier, as we know, is out injured now. Hopefully he's back very soon because he is definitely missed, but Mm -hmm. it's, I don't, I don't know that you have to have a defined leader to make yourself great. I, I would say that the elite in a sense doesn't have a leader as well. Absolutely, there was so many moments of uh, c- like storyline moments of Cody and uh, Kenny Omega battling each other over who is in charge of the elite, and the mm-hmm. ultimate. And ultimately, none of them is in charge of the elite. Just the elite no. is who they are, and that's yeah. it. So yeah, I would say you know what you do not need a defined leader. I, I was originally going to say yes until and and I was going to say like that new day was an outlier. Um, but bringing up the elite, you know, again, no leader, no real leader. I, I think. (sighs) And like, if you look at a group like the bullet club, it changes its leaders like every three weeks. So, well, the bullet club was always about having a leader and followers behind it. It's always been about that. It was, I don't know what it is now. It's well, it's uh, Jay white leading, but I'm not keeping up with new Japan right now. So I can't tell you what's going on. And since new Japan and, uh, ring of honor have kind of kind of parted ways with each other, not working in tangent as much. And I don't know. And on top of that, I believe they're both dark right now. Yeah. Ring of honor is not uh, doing any sort of performances, although they're making original content yes, and new Japan. I have no clue what's going on. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean those outliers that don't have leaders, I, I still think you do need to have some sort of leader for a stable it, for a great stable. Um, cause again, I think of every stable I can think of on the top of my head, new day and the elite are the only real ones that don't have some sort of leadership within them. Can you think of like any others, any other good stables aside from three count where there wasn't a defined leader, Jesus, (laughs) the young dragons, (laughs) three counts, nemesis, the young dragons. (laughs) Also didn't, didn't three count have a manager that functioned as their mouthpiece. Wasn't it? Was it, was it the wall? I don't I do not remember. I feel like it would have been like a Rico type of character. Oh boy. That's the first time Rico's been brought up on the show, guys. We did it. I almost and- brought up I almost <laughs> brought up Billy Chuck and Rico because I I know they were ta- I know they were a tag team with a wrestling manager, so they don't technically count as a stable, but like Rico's mutton chops are still very much hair goals. They're so Holy good. cow. So good. And then I'll go you one further. When, when, when Rico partnered with Charlie Haas and they were managed by Jackie Gaeta, bring it on. I was very into it. We're going to be talking more about Rico in the future. when we talk about weddings. Uh, anyway, yes. <laughs> oh, just get a three minute warning and it's all over. So, and, and, and we mentioned last time, right to sensor head, Stephen Richards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think the best stables, have well-defined leaders. We just have a couple of outliers. Right. I mean, that's not, it's not the rule, but it helps. They are the exception to the rule. Exactly. Um, That's what I meant to say, but I'm also tired again. Uh, However, to the next point we have listed here, and I think it's an important one, is you need to be a truly great stable. You need to have more than one person who can really work it on the microphone because we've seen too many times when uh, we've seen too many times when there are a group of wrestlers and only one of them can really speak for the group and it just doesn't uh, work as well together. I mentioned legacy earlier uh, and they are, I think a really good example of this. Uh, Cody Rhodes has gone on to become a fantastic interview. One of the best in the business bar none. However, back in the days of legacy, when it was him, uh, Teddy Jr. and Randy Orton, Randy was really the only one who was believable on the microphone and ultimately the only one who's giving given an abundance of time to talk on the microphone. He was the leader yeah. of the group. He spoke for the group. The group sort of carried out his bidding, and that was their role. But man, if one of if either Cody or Teddy uh, would have been as good on the mic as Randy, that group would have gone like nuclear. It would have gone so much further. Yeah. So you do need more than one person. That's good on the mic. Uh, Not everybody has to be great on the mic. Uh, I, you know, when you have, like, if you even look at like nation of domination, which is one of my favorite stables from that era, Mm -hmm. uh, Farouk and the rock, but you also have like the battle between the Farouk and the rock for, you know, who's the best, even Owen Hart during that short stint, he was in it. Mm -hmm. I felt was a great heel on the mic. And when you look at more modern times, if you look at say AEW's inner circle, you have Jericho. Who's great. You have Sammy Guevara. Who's great. Yes. Like Jericho and Sammy together is gold. Jake Hager is, it still feels sort of uncomfortable on the mic and doesn't do much. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Santana and Ortiz. Those guys are great. When you give them a mic, they're so good. And like, that makes the group so much better. You don't, yeah. but again, you don't, everyone doesn't have to be good on the mic. And honestly, I think that's kind of, why Hager fits so well in that group. He doesn't have to be good on the mic. He is the heavy that's there to enforce their rule. Yeah. And I think that's dope. Uh, I'd like to, to add a point that uh, I didn't put on the list, but go ahead. a good, a, a something you need in a stable. It cannot merchandise. Again, there are you need out, merchandise. What, you need super good shirts. Need great merchandise. There are outliers to this as well, but what you really, really need within a stable is one established, at least one established wrestler. um, Yes. Maybe one mid card guy. And then a couple of like essentially apprentices or undercard talent that uh, isn't utilized to their fullest potential. And I would say the outlier to this is the undisputed era. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. They, they all sort of joined NXT at the same time and debuted together as a faction, but they also all had indie credentials Adam Cole at the time was the biggest star of the three because he just come off of a huge run with Ring of Honor and in Bullet Club, which is yeah, massive. He led Bullet Club for a short time. And he was in the elite for a little while. Yeah, before he got like beaten with a Marty Skrull umbrella and super kicked right to hell. Um, yeah. And then I think they technically killed him backstage they at a PWG him on- show on being the elite. It's a, they did kill him on Being the Elite. If you missed our <laughs> if you missed our Being the Elite segment last week, go back and listen to it, and then just go to YouTube and search Being the Elite and enjoy yourself. Um, but yeah, they, I would say they're the outliers. I think New Day is a perfect example of what you just said. You had yeah. Kofi, who had been a multi-time Intercontinental and Tag Team champion. You had yes. Biggie, who had been around for a while and had won, I think, the IC title once after playing sort of the enforcer for Dolph Ziggler for a bit yeah and then you had woods who had come up from nxt and not really been able to do much of anything except take over brodus clay's uh whole gimmick he did steal brodus clay's gimmick and uh party with r-truth for a while it was a good time the the r-truth stuff was good i mean it was very it very much just felt like they were like he's here we don't know what to do with him right now and then clearly woods biggie and kofi Took it upon themselves to figure out what to do, and mm-hmm. that was I just gave I just gave a chef's kiss into the camera at Mike. Or Mike, I'm sorry, you're Matt. Mike's not here. I, Mike, wait, Ma- is Mike, Mike coming? Mike was here last week. I just gave a chef's okay, kiss into the camera at Matt. It was it's the new like I cannot say enough good things about how fantastic the stable of the new day is. Yeah, I completely agree, and I got I just want to jump in really quick, even though this is kind of. Uh, Getting away off tangent, I was so happy when the new day worked uh, for Xavier Woods because he is a such a talented dude and watching him in NXT and in TNA play the same like dancey guy. I'm not I just I, I like I was like, that's not it doesn't feel like him when you like when you see Xavier now he's he's himself, you know, And I just I don't know. It, it, it makes me feel good when like you really see a wrestler that you like and you're really rooting for really come into their own. Well, yeah. Cause like, yes, he was incredibly talented coming into this situation, but like he has like he and all three members, I would say have flown so much higher since they found each other. Like they, all of their games have stepped up in incredible ways. And like yeah. without new day, I, I, Given the given the turnover in WWE, like if these yeah. guys hadn't taken it upon themselves to find something and make it work, I don't know if mm-hmm. they'd still be in the company, or if they would have been with the company. they could have easily gone away and come back, or now as some wrestlers do, go down to NXT and come back. But like, yeah, these three people like took destiny into their own hands and created a stable that is arguably the biggest thing WWE has had going for it since John Cena went part-time to the, even to the point where I believe it was WrestleMania Dallas, where it was reported that for the first time ever new day outsold John Cena in merchandise sales. Yeah. And like, that's huge. I remember that. I remember that because your boy bought new day socks and they were like (laughs) $30, but I was so pleased to have, Big E, Kofi and Woods on my socks. It was. If you are listening to this show and don't own a piece of New Day merchandise, let us know because I'm really interested for someone that watches wrestling if you don't own a piece of their because everyone owns something from New Day. Oh, I was wearing my New Day uh, Run DMC shirt yesterday. It's the best. I, re- I have eaten bootios. I have like three different new day shirts. My wife has two. I have a new day popsicle kit that you bought me in Chicago. And yes, sent I did. I me. did buy that for you. And it's the best <laughs> I've, I've looked at. I'm never going to eat it. Cause it's just sugar on sugar on sugar, but it's, it's so really gross. fun to look at. <laughs> uh, so another thing that stables do need is a common storyline, uh goal or connection. And, I feel like it's usually the storyline or or connection is, for the most case, is we're underutilized. We need to come together to become something great. Absolutely. Which is exactly what the New Day is. Uh, For for, uh, Undisputed Era, it was an invasion of NXT. For NWO, it was an invasion of WCW. For DX, it was sort of rising up against the silly 80s aspects of professional wrestling and sort of installing Mm -hmm. whatever WWF attitude was going to become. Don't forget Nexus, the next up and coming invasion of wrestlers. Yes. For Nexus, it was our reality show is over. What do we do with them now? (laughs) (laughs) For for the four horsemen, it was we're the greatest. Who's going to stop us? But yeah, most of the time it's kind of it's a uh, we're underutilized and or uh, this is an invasion of new blood. Right. But being led by the old blood. And we're not talking about the new blood faction in WCW. That was not that was terrible. <laughs> that was not good. Um but it, yeah you're 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 100% right. It's so much of the time it's do we're doing something because we're not being used. We're yeah. we're undervalued by the audience. We're undervalued by somebody. We're not appreciated for what we bring to the table. So we're going to band together and just sort of run roughshod over things. That's yeah. And that, and honestly, that's what the new day when they banded together, they were honest about that in their promos and it cast them as heels. Oh yeah. It was fantastic that, before they disappeared from TV for like for six months or whatever, you know, they Xavier was in a suit and the, his whole speech about how, you know, we're underutilized. No one appreciates us was amazing. And, uh, Obviously, when you hear him say stuff like that, a lot of people online were saying, like, it's the new nation of domination, which totally no. Uh, there, are Spoilers. The new day is nothing like the nation of domination. No, it is not. nothing. It is Can you imagine D'Lo opposite. Brown and Owen Hart throwing pancakes at people? <laughs> I've been hit the by Rock- a pancake. The Rock wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> the Rock comes out playing a trombone. <laughs> He does have a guitar. He has musical talent. Oh, what's Kama Mustafa doing? Oh boy, he's probably wearing a suit and tie, talking about how pimping is not good. No, not at all. Uh, so, what's the greatest stables of all time, Chris? What's the greatest? I mean, this was going to be our top five. I mean, I mean, yeah. So we've we've discussed most of them. I would say right now, uh, obviously, the New Day. I would I the new day has to be on the list for greatest of all time. They just do. Yeah. Uh it's hard to argue any it's hard to argue anything else. I would say depending I know the Undisputed Era is only uh NXT right now. I think depending yeah. on what their future looks like on Raw or SmackDown, they could be on that list. But they I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're there yet, but I think I think they're on their way and they've created an incredibly strong foundation. Yeah. Um The original three man incarnation of the NWO. It's hard to argue. It's 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 hard to argue that like they belong on the list of greatest of all time. I I would actually go up to like probably when like six people were on the NWO up until what point did Paul White? join? I'd say before Buff Bagwell. Mm. See, I'm w- I'm willing to give you Hogan, Hall, Nash, and X-Pac. Six. Six. I'm sorry. Uh, see, I'll, I'll even go up to Paul White when he, you know, stopped, or, sorry, the giant, um, when he left Dungeon of Doom, essentially, and then became NWO. Yes. Fair. I'd say up okay. to that point, because at that point, you have a real, like, legit enforcer. Like, Kevin Nash is huge and strong and powerful. Hulk Hogan's a mouthpiece. I wouldn't say that powerful. But, like, that giant was that dominating force where, like, oh, you don't mess with the NWO. Right. Um, I would also say the original, the original incarnation of DX with China as the heavy. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I'd even say the second incarnation of them, not a third, but the second one, it's road dog and, uh, X-Pac and Billy Gunn, and Billy Gunn, and no HBK. And then no HBK, which is, I, you know, what's weird. Every time I think back to DX, I think of all of them together. Like, like you just, those- you think of Sean just being there. Sean's always there. Triple H is always there, you know, like, right. It's, it's, and it's so weird, but um, what yeah. I will, but there are some of the more notable stables that I think do not belong on the list. Uh, the corporation slash corporate ministry. I, those were the, and, and also same with the, just the ministry. These are groups that yeah. were so bloated to begin with that, like, like no disrespect to Midian, but like you're Midian I mean, yeah, I, I have a hard time taking you seriously when you're when it's like one of who do we got? All right. We got uh, we got Justin Hawk Bradshaw. We got Farouk, the dude with the gladiator helmet from WCW. We got Ron Simmons. We got Midian. We got King Mabel. This is our group of like hardcore Satan wrestlers. But like I'd have to check the timestamps on when all this happened, but I feel like. And this is going off of not having the exact time knowledge in my head, that the ministry and the corporate ministry is an answer in a sense to WCW's NWO kind of growing. Where they're just putting in all their mid-card talent into one group headed by the person that runs the company. I think that's possible. My the problem for me was, and it's and it is the same problem I have with WCW. It dilute it dilutes what the idea of the thing was in the first place. And the and mm-hmm. the whole the whole so much of that run of the ministry was like, the ministry is screwing over Vince McMahon. Yeah. And it's like the undertaker is declaring war on Vince McMahon to the point that he has to look to his arch nemesis stone cold, Steve Austin for help. And then what, what happens in the end? Vince was there all along. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. Like that's bad. Um, It, It is bad, but it's also one of my favorite moments from the attitude. Era. That does not surprise me. In the slightest, uh, I would say right now, um, and this is including undisputed era. I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to include New Day in this, but I say the greatest stable right now is actually the Inner Circle. Interesting. I I think it's a it's a kind of that perfect defined team of a leader who is also a journeyman. Uh, newer wrestlers following in his footsteps. They're all kind of coming in. Everyone else is kind of coming into their own. And you also have Hager. There's the strong guy bodyguard that you need. They're doing great content. And it's led by Chris Jericho, who creatively is is a genius and the greatest of all time, period. Uh, but yeah, I i don't I don't know that you're I think you're probably right. I think the most useful faction at the moment is probably the elite because they're creating so much content, uh, both on a W and on being the elite. And it's yeah, like, it's yeah. it's a much more wide ranging thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to go beyond the new day as tops of the modern era. But like, there are also some very good classic ones there. Like that original run of evolution was fantastic. Uh, yeah. the Hall of Fame lineup of the Four Horsemen incredible. Like yeah. there are so many the the the, the fabulous freebirds. I mean there are so many wonderful just excellent stables throughout time and also the Right to Censor. I again I you know how much I love Right to Censor. That's the most underrated stable of the 90s and early 2000s. Now let's talk about terrible ones. The un-American. Yeah. Remember the un-Americans? It was I think it was Test Christian and Lance Storm. And their whole gimmick was they carried an upside down American flag to the ring, if I remember correctly. Hey, you remember the social outcasts? Oh, I think it was uh, Bo Dallas, Heath Slater, Adam Rose and someone else was gender in there gender was three gender was three man band with Heath Slater and WWE champion drew McIntyre. McIntyre. (sighs) So many stables, so little time, but yeah, the stables are cool. I'm glad it felt like for a while, WWE was shying away from stables and I'm glad they're sort of re-embracing it again. I want to go back to my point I made about inner circle being the best right now. And I want to say that applies to immediately right now, the past couple months, I think, New Day overall is a much better stable for the modern era. I think it's I just unfair think, what you're doing because New Day is currently down one man. I know. Not but their I fault. mean It is. Yeah, it's it's unfair. But also the inner circle is doing a lot of fun things right now. Yes, absolutely. Also, I hate Matt Hardy as being a part of the elite, quote unquote. I, I mean, not the like I don't. On rec- camera. I do not recognize him as a member of the elite. That's it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's. We, wow, we ended that one on a real down note. My apologies to Matt Hardy, I guess. I love you, Matt Hardy. I love Matt. I, guess, I love Matt you're Hardy. Not elite to like, me. no, yeah, I, I like Matt Hardy. I miss Matt Hardy version one also, too. I want to point that out. If, he, if he's listening, he's not. But if he's listening, he's not. Just throw me Matt Hardy. Also one uh, the, Also, one of the greatest all of time creatively. Easily. Absolutely. It's him and Chris Jericho. But you know what? He, you know what? Matt Hardy is not. What? A singing wrestler, which is what we're going to talk about next. He is not. I I don't know if he can sing. I'm guessing no. Well, Jeff Jeff is in a band. Jeff is in a band. Paroxwaygen, or whatever it's called. (laughs) Some of these people can't sing we're about to talk about. Okay. Chris, uh, when we first started talking about wrestling, there was a a moment I very much remember. Oh, no. I think I know. You hating me and hating my opinion on wrestling. I and mean, that's what I was trying to tell you that the Elias gimmick is genius, but I mean, main roster Elias, I hated him when he was the roaming backstage guy in NXT. Yes. 100%. Roaming backstage For- Elias, the drifter, when you just kind of wander out with a guitar in the middle of a match and then walk away. That was the worst. Well, who, there's like that Lacey Evans did that too. It's like, I hate the character that walks out and leaves. Yeah. Do something Do s- literally anything. And Elias did do something. He started playing music for everyone to hear. Mm -hmm. Oh, the the history of singing wrestlers to me without any, any uh, research whatsoever goes all the way back to the 80s with the honky tonk man. (laughs) Did you know, Matt, that he is cool, cocky and bad? How do you pack all of those traits into one human? Big, big sideburns, big sideburns. Not, they're not as good as Rico's, but they're big, no. big sideburns. The the vast majority of uh, sang and wrestlers start off as heels, <laughs> sang and wrestlers, sang and wrestlers, baby uh, sang and they're all heels. And I've never like you start as a heel for the most part. I think our truth is kind of the one of the people that broke that mold because he came in the WWE when he started rapping as a babyface. But he was never. Um, I mean, he's had you know brushes with being a heel. I'd say, but he's just too lovable to hate. I think it's the best way to I, put it. I feel like his most heely eras were when he was hanging out with The Miz, because The Miz automatically makes everyone a heel, except for Damien Sandow. Oh, the Mizdow era is we're not no we're not talking about we'll talk about Mizdow we'll one day we'll get there. So you're you're a heel. I, it's just such a weird concept, and I mean. It, it, this is something that comes out of the golden era of wrestling, you know, the the 80s where your job was your gimmick. Yeah. An era I love. So if you're a sanger, then you're obviously going to be a wrestler as well. Yep. And I just it's just such a weird concept, even when you have like a garbage man being a. I was just going to say, what if you're a garbage man? Yeah. What if you're a guy who pukes? What if you're a hockey uh, player? What if you're an atom bomb? What if you're a red faced <laughs> preacher man? He loves you. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, the the whole idea of a singing wrestler is to rile up the crowd, to sing a song about how uh, your local sports team is not as good as the sports team from the city next over. And, I mean, that's just that's just the whole point. You want to get the crowd mad. So when the face comes out and beats up the heel, you know, you get a better crowd reaction. Yeah, that's all it is. It's a tried and true gimmick that has worked so many like we have we have a list of uh, like the more notable of them. But like even to the point where when The Rock turned heel and went Hollywood Rock, which, as I've said before, is my favorite thing The Rock has ever done, he Mm -hmm he started playing quote unquote rock concerts where he played a guitar and sang songs that crapped all over whatever town he was in. Yeah. He leaned into like just the, the the most, the most beautiful, perfect, easy sort of heel tactic, which is I'm going to sing a song because the P I think the people need to hear me. I I would say that the, on, on our list that we have, the, the people that were the best at this or are the best at this, is actually uh, Elias when Mm -hmm. he was a heel and doing the whole singing thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Cena, believe it or not, battle rap, John Cena is first of all, battle rap, John Cena made slash save John Cena's career. Um, It's he's, he's done interviews and like documentaries have been done. He was not being used and was afraid that he's about to get let go. And then they heard him rapping in the back of a bus and it was (laughs) all all up from there. Yeah. Well then they had him do it on television. (laughs) Uh, and we, out of everyone we have listed, there's only one group on here that does. Oh boy. That's not memorable. That they're is, not, uh, they're memorable to me, but I, I have particular tastes in wrestling and the, the singing aspect of, of the, this gimmick didn't do one of these groups any favors. And this is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. And that was three count. Which was Shannon Moore, Shane Helms, and someone else. That other person was Evan Courageous. Yep, I just has. looked that up on Wikipedia, everybody, because I forgot, I legit forgot Evan Courageous existed, which sounds terrible. What's worse is I forgot Shannon Moore existed. Oh, you don't remember his super cool punk rock mohawk in latter day WWE? nope he's the he i believe if i'm correct he uh had left wrestling to open up a tattoo shop after after his wwe run and it runs a successful tattoo parlor hey good for him yeah um i always like where where are they now stories with wrestlers and it's like when it's I'm good great you're like spike Dudley's like i invest money and i'm great now you'll ne- uh, so i'm look i'm looking at the history of three count you will never guess <laughs> whose idea it was to put them together russo no, it was Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Oh, wow. To capitalize on the boy band sort of rage going on at the time. So if you're unfamiliar with Recount, they were a boy band that would come to the ring, perform their songs. They had a music video and it was just perfect because it's what NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were huge. Yes, the music video uh, was for a song written by Jimmy Hart called Can't Get You Out of My Heart. <laughs> And their next song after that, and then Can't Get You Out of My Heart, was their theme song for some time. Uh, and then it was eventually replaced by a new song called Dance with Three Count. That's oh, it. Man. Dance with Three Count. I got to see Three Count live once, and it was my favorite wrestling memories uh, because they sang a song and then got beaten up after singing a song. Mm. Would you believe it? <laughs> and uh, do you remember who their manager was? No, Tank Abbott, big oh, bald right. bearded Tank Abbott, who they UFC fighter Tank Abbott, <laughs> who they introduced is like like he was already in the company, but they were like, oh no, he's secretly like a three count super fan. That's the, I think that's the one case of all these singing wrestlers that like they weren't openly mocking the crowd. All they were doing was saying like this is pop music that fans that love wrestling hate. So we're just gonna sing it. Yep like worked. the rap is crap guys in TNA, whatever they did. Well, who are the rapping? Rap, and, rap the crap is crap, crap and rap? was WCW. Oh, that was W. Oh, it was when, wait, it was when master P and the no limit soldiers invaded WCW. And I'm the, assuming this was Jeff Jarrett and somebody else. No, the, the it was the West Texas rednecks. Oh God. <laughs> Do you not remember like, the West Texas rednecks? I don't remember a lot. Oh boy. So the West Texas rednecks, they did record rap is crap. It was their front man. Was Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. Oh, that's right. Oh, he had the cowboy hat on. Yes, he did. I would like to point out that uh, West Texas Rednecks frontman Kurt Hennig is from Minnesota. And also uh, in the group was Bobby Duncan Jr., Barry Windham. Barry Windham was in this group. Uh, Kendall Windham and, and someone named Curly Bill, who I don't know look at that we've connected back to our stable segment my apologies curly bill was virgil not a joke curly bill was virgil virgil in nwo and the rap is crap guys virgil uh he's ted dibiase's butler uh vincent in the nwo and then eventually curly bill noted bald wrestler virgil (laughs) So it, what is your your final opinion on on the musical wrestlers? Um, I find them to be really fun. Still, it's such it's 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 not a difficult gimmick, like no. which it, it when I when I say that I mean it's not a difficult gimmick to like get a reaction out of a crowd, because yeah. you're either going to be mocking the town you're in or you're going to be mocking the wrestler you're about to face, and the people are going to react one way or the other. And I think that's fun. Um, there's also like there's also wrestlers that are musicians that don't play musician wrestlers like Chris Jericho, who legitimately yeah. just has a band that tours and releases records and whatnot. I think that's cool. But like I I'm glad we have Elias It's sort of a throwback to that era. And like I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it more. Also, yeah, hitting people over the head with a guitar is cool. It's always cool. It's never not cool unless Jeff Jarrett does it like 17,000 times. I will, I will say this, uh, the one thing I need from all senior wrestlers, once you give up the gimmick, you have to give up the gimmick. Jeff Jarrett still carries a guitar. Yeah. And it's been, you know, what was it? 1996, 95, 94 when that kicked off. His entire TNA run was about him smashing guitar over people's heads. He hadn't played a guitar in 50 years, man. When the road dog was the roadie. Yeah. And as it was revealed, Jeff Jarrett didn't even sing that song. The Road Dogg sang that song. Yep. <laughs> so th- secretly, Jeff Jarrett was never a singing wrestler. He lied to us. If they had revealed that during that gimmick run, it would have been the best. Oh, like I would, we would be God. talking about it for a whole episode on this show. <laughs> I, you know what? I think it's time, Chris, that that we uh, talk to our our fans out there. Or they're not fans. You're listeners. (laughs) If you're a fan, you're a fan. But you're you're a listener at heart. Please don't be a fan. You hear your family. Please don't be a fan. You can do better. You you can find better people to idolize. Don't idolize us. Uh, It's time for me to take you to school. As Let's talk about jobbers in wrestling 101. Wait, I thought we were doing fan questions. What happened? I thought we were doing that last. Oh, you said, oh, you just started talking about fan questions. I thought you moved it on me like you moved the soapbox segment last week. Oh, no, I'm not moving things this week. You're killing me, Matt. I don't know what's up anymore. Wrestling 101. Stinger. Chris, uh, Webster's dictionary defines jobber as specifically a wholesaler who operates on a small scale or who sells only to retailers or institutions, or it could be described as a person who works by the job. However, in wrestling, a jobber is a person who loses to higher-level talent in the ring in order to make the winner of the match look strong. Yeah, a jobber is a professional loser, which sounds mean, but like no, jobbers uh, historically are an incredibly important part of the wrestling industry. Yes. Uh, I think now, now nowadays it's more referred to as enhancement or local talent. Yes, talent, it's we, yeah. Talent. WWE doesn't really have necessarily jobbers on the payroll anymore. They just grab whatever local guys are in the area but once upon a time man there were groups there were there was a group of wrestlers that were specifically there just to get beat yeah Uh, you know they they have to be competent within the ring know how to take bumps know how to take hits um because again their job is to make the person they're fighting look you know Better than they are, essentially. And that, and not only know how to take them, but like if you're a, if you're a really good jobber, which some like some of the best wrestlers WWE has ever had are jobbers. Uh, yeah. It's not even about just knowing how to take the bumps and how to sell the match. It's like knowing how to take your beating to the next level. Yes. Like knowing how to make your the person you're putting over look like a star. Now, jobbers uh, typically nowadays will uh, appear in what's called a squash match, and that's just from start to finish a uh, a jobber will just get beaten down by the star. They're fighting. Yep. There will be almost no offense. Uh, squash matches do happen with, you know, main level uh, wrestlers. Brock Lesnar usually has squash matches against most people. He fights when he has a belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Undertaker squashed John Cena a few years back at WrestleMania. Oh, but it was a good one. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Squash matches are fun, though, to me. You know, you're getting to see a character being built by destroying someone in front of them. Absolutely. Uh, So when Braun Strowman first became a singles wrestler when uh, he departed from the Wyatt family, he just did squash matches week after week. Nia Jax, the same thing when she came to the main roster. You know, they would bring in like local talent like Hank Azaria. (laughs) What from this? No, not not from The <laughs> Simpsons. I just I tried to make up a name and I said a guy who voices everybody on The Simpsons. Are you saying uh, Hank Azaria gets beaten up on WWE television? Mystery Men's Hank Azaria. So for shame. They're again, their job is just to make the the talent look good in the ring, and a lot of the times you'll see week after week these newer kind of monstrous wrestlers just beating up local guys. Yeah. Uh, in addition, there are also what's called glorified jobbers. I'm not too into this line of thought or definition or idea in general. That seems to be more of a sort of snarky. Yeah. Take on like when a mid card wrestler is on a. Isn't really involved in a storyline. Uh, doesn't really seem to have a direction. They tend to be used to help enhance the talent that is in a storyline or does have a direction. And I'll, and the real snarky take is like, oh, they're just a glorified job. Like, no. Like every, no, I, everybody yeah. loses at some point that's wrestling. I, an, an example that like I was reading on glorified jobbers. I'm like, I know this term. I think it's a gross term. Uh, they're like, well, Dolph Ziggler's one. I'm like, okay, a Dolph Ziggler fan wrote this. Yes. Dolph Ziggler is great in the ring and he makes other wrestlers look great. I would in, in no way ever call him a jobber. Wait, are you ever. calling a two time WWE champion, Dolph Ziggler, a jobber? That doesn't A guy make who sense. puts on, The most high caliber matches, like he's amazing in the ring, and I'm not going to call him a job. A guy who legitimately flat irons his hair for 17 hours a day. (laughs) All right, there are uh, there's a lot of famous jobbers in WWE history. The first one on my list, I'm going to leave off to the last. Uh, Actually, Uh, the second one on your like, can I start this? Because I you, you can start this. I have a, a a soft spot in my heart for Steve Lombardi, uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. I maintain yeah. that the Brooklyn Brawler is one of not only the most underrated, but best wrestlers WWE's ever had in terms of just a journeyman wrestler who yes. had been there and seen it all and done it all. And he could make anybody look like an incredible star. And it was just such a simple gimmick of like, I'm just a guy who wears a Yankees jersey. That's it. I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm 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 a Brooklyn baseball fan that likes to fight. That's my gimmick. Yeah. And Lombard, Steve is no longer with the company. He I believe after he retired from ing ring competition, he served as a producer for quite a while. Uh, but the Brooklyn Brawler in my mind is the greatest jobber of all time. Yes. I I completely agree. I would give second place to Barry Horowitz. Mm. Uh, He was with WWE for quite some time as well. He would pat himself on the back and he had a handprint on his back of his jacket when he came to the ring. Uh, There was also Dwayne Gill, who eventually became Gilbert, the light heavyweight champion. Gilbert. But before he was Gilbert, he was Dwayne Gill, a guy that just got squashed. Gilbert. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's Barry O, who was Randy Orton's uncle. Oh, Barry O. Yeah. Oh, um, Iron Mind shark. Yeah, yes. Uh, but so now the, the one you left until last, I think, is the per- the perfect example of a jobber elevated to an insane degree. Yeah. And that would be one, two, three kid uh, who, you know, is X-Pac or Six-Pack or Sean Waltman. Uh, the one, two, three kid had like different names every week. It was like, I think it was like Lightning Kid, Dynamite Kid, The Kid. Mm-hmm. Every week his name changed. And he was just getting beaten by people. Um, and at one point, he won a roll up uh, against Razor Ramon. Yes, and that led to a feud between them. And then they became a tag team. And uh, I, you, the click was you, born. You, the click was born because of like a jobber. Well, <laughs> other things as well. But well, uh, and it's, it's what's really interesting about that era of WWE is that is not um, it never happened. It never happened. Well, but it, but it. After that, it did a couple of times like the Hardy Boys were first brought in to do the job uh, uh various different weeks before they got their contracts and became, you know, the Hardy Boys. There are other wrestlers uh, when you look that had like a, a quick stint in WWE and then came back or got signed through there. It's it's not a completely unheard of thing. I mean, the Hardy Boys did it um AJ Styles yeah. did it Daniel Bryan did it like these are guys that had job matches on like velocity um the Young Bucks did it a lot through 2008 and then went to, to Bullet Club <laughs> uh Joey Ryan used to show up on Smackdown anytime it came to Los Angeles yeah uh so I think that's kind of all you need to know about jobbers they're just they enhancement talent they're uh they're part of the cogs and the wrestling wheel that are very important to kind of storylines for other wrestlers. And honestly, for a lot of wrestlers, when it's not, when like, especially like in more modern times, when you're not a contracted WWE wrestler doing, and you're doing the job, you're doing it. So like WWE gets to see what you can do to see if yeah. they want to sign you to a contract right now. Uh, Matt Elfring favorite Leon Ruff, uh, Ruff, Ruff from nice. evolve is like, doing the job on NXT and I think sometimes Raw p- with pretty good regularity because he's near the, he's located near the performance center. So like yeah. they're putting him to use and I'm I'm assuming he's eventually hoping that'll lead to a contract and it should cuz that dude is ridiculous talented. So good. I didn't that happened with Swerve too. Right? I know Swerve's on NXT now. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, but I think he was I thought he had jobbed on a WWE show once or twice. The uh, the relationship between WWE and Evolve is fascinating in the best way to me. Yeah, because it's that's a segment we could have on its own. It's essentially secret NXT. (laughs) Yeah. NXT Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If if you can, if you can ever get around to it, check out an Evolve show um, when this is all over the pandemic. You Chris and I had a blast. (laughs) You can also just watch them on television. I think I I don't know. I think going they're on white TV. Oh, yeah. If you can go if you can go to one, go to one. (laughs) But if, but if you can't, it's worth, it's worth finding online. Well, you guys all got a pluses. That's the end of that. We've got some, some people that just, that really want to pick our brains and they've got questions for us. So we're going to, we're going to answer them. Are you saying this is our last segment, our mini seg? This is the mini seg of the week. Who knows what music I'm going to use to introduce it. We have we're in a discord chat with with GameSpot fans um, and there's some people that like us for some reason like this show. Great. Thank you for some reviews on iTunes. For some reason. We're great. We have some questions from discord and some questions from Twitter. Uh, you can always ask us questions at wrestle buddies. I don't care if they're serious or if they're hilarious or fun, we'll, we'll do our best to answer them. And don't also be gross. And you can hit us up uh, with those questions as well at wrestle buddies at gamespot.com. Oh, I forgot we got that. Yeah. We're wrestle buddies yeah. at gamespot.com now. So send us literally all of your questions. We are so legit now, guys, six episodes in legit, too legit to quit. In fact, oh no, that music video is way too long. <laughs> first question comes from Jacob. I'm a big fan of The New Day and I routinely name him as them as the greatest tag team of all time when asked. However, I've only been a wrestling fan for about 6 years. Do you agree and if not who is the greatest tag team of all time? Thanks. Uh, uh I agree Jacob you've only been a wrestling fan for 6 years. Next question. That's rude. <laughs> Very rude. No, um I think well first of all if you've been a wrestling fan for 6 years that's about the length, the, the length of The New Day which I you, find really kind of fun. You've your whole existence in wrestling of being a fan has been new day. You lucky, lucky person. Um, I don't know if I'd call them the greatest of all time. I'd call them among the greatest of all time. I would also say the Dudley boys are among the greatest of all time. I would say the young bucks are among the greatest of yeah. all time, especially given the heights they've been able to get to without the WWE umbrella sort yeah. of helping them out. Um, I would, I, I would personally say they're one of the greatest. It's hard for me to pick a greatest. It's like when you say, you know, are they the greatest tag team of all time? Or you know, are we talking about just in ring competition? Or are we talking about competition as well as the mic and being in characters and segments and promos as well? You know. And when it comes to being a tag team, New Day also has like the uh, the the uh, upshot of that they are three people. Yes. So they ha- they are three shining stars compared to well. Shining Stars is probably bad because the Shining Stars in WWE is not a good tag team. Oh God, I remember that. Uh, Carlito's little brothers or cousins. I don't remember. And one I, of and one I, brother, th- one cousin. I think. You know, let me tell you something really uh, tangent. Uh, I loved it when they were trying to sell timeshares to Puerto Rico. That was the best. <laughs> I loved it, it. Was it. So good. It made no sense. It was very weird, and I was very into it. It was Epico and Primo. <laughs> it lasted for like two weeks. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, I, I would, I would say. If I'm, if I'm putting together a professional wrestling, Matt, let's do this. Yeah. Let's put together our pro wrestling Mount Rushmore's. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to say for me, it's going to be new day. It's going to be the young bucks. Um, Los Guerreros, uh, Chavo and Eddie Guerrero. Okay. And then for my fourth, Ooh, oh man, too cool. (laughs) gotta have gotta have too cool in there somewhere too you know what and too cool original theme song too cool okay when rikishi was still kind of like their heavy slash sidekick and before he became before they became his sidekick all right so mine's gonna be uh new day young bucks and then i'm i'm gonna go heart foundation okay i i knocked too cool off of my route watch work that was a bad idea for me <laughs> And uh, after Heart Foundation, this is where it gets really tricky because there are a lot of tag teams I super duper love. But I am going to go with my heart and pick. Oh, no, this is too tough. I'm just the, wasting the time. The fabulous Freebirds. Billy and Chuck. I don't know. Billy uh, and Chuck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would actually say the probably the Hardy Boys. Rather than two, like yeah, the Hardy, the Hardy I, Boys have had an incredible impact on the industry. Did I say the? Wait, I I said the Dudleys, right? You said the Dudleys. Okay, yeah. Thank. No, I didn't. No, I thought you did. No. So if mine definitely then has to be the New Day, the Young Bucks, the Dudleys, and Los Guerreros. Okay. Ta da! We've done it. Thanks for the really hard question, Jacob. We All right, you. Shield NXT. Next question. Shield NXT says. For me, 205 Live is a really underrated show in not only WWE, but also in wrestling. In my opinion, the best era was after firing of Enzo. Yep. uh, Until the 2019 draft. Right now, I feel that 205 Live is meaningless. And now the entire Cruiserweight division is NXT. What do you think WWE needs to do with the 205 Live show? Uh, I think WWE needs to acknowledge it more often. It's it's. There's a really good cruiserweight division. First of all, I don't know that we need a full cruiserweight show, but I'm glad we have one because the cruiserweights aren't really given the spotlight anywhere else. Um, But, yeah, I think, honestly, I think they just need to get to be recognized more and be allowed to shine more. It's not treated as any sort of destination programming. So it's not any sort of destination programming, which is unfortunate because the cruiserweights have the best matches in WWE. Yes, uh, jacob had another question oh uh, he got into re- he got into wrestling because of steven amell versus and neville versus stardust and bad news barrett at SummerSlam 2015 how did you get into wrestling oh so first of all i was at that SummerSlam show what a show um for me uh the kid across the street had had bootleg wrestlemania videotapes i don't even remember which one we watched first i just remembered like in their video cassette sh- on their video cassette shelves I remember tapes that had orange labels on them. And then in pen, they'd written WrestleMania, whatever. And we would watch those. And I thought it was cool. I actually do not know how I got into wrestling. I do. I mean, w- when you were a kid in the eighties and Hulkamania is everywhere, uh, it just, he was part of pop culture and you just kind of start with Hulk Hogan. And then you got into um, million dollar man and Jake, the snake Roberts, at least with me. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't know how I became a fan of wrestling. It's been, I've been a fan most of my life. I think I ruthless aggression errors when I dropped off, Hmm. what brought me back in was like ring of honor. And, uh, the thing that really, really, really grabbed me. And this is actually pretty recent. Total Bellas, uh, total Bellas. Uh, no, was the Joey Ryan, uh, viral video. Oh Yeah. Cause that's when I realized that like I was already watching WWE and everything else at that time, but I didn't know wrestling could be like silly and fun at the same time. Absolutely. All right. Team just, just for life asked what is your favorite Roman Reigns match? And I actually have one. I don't know about you, Matt. I have a least favorite. I don't have a favorite. Whoa. Not what the question was. I know that's why I can't answer it. All right. Well then, you know what? Tell me your least favorite and then I'll cap it off with my favorite. Is actually, um, reigns versus undertaker at mania and i don't put that on reigns i put that mostly on the undertaker actually it's okay the undertaker does too yeah as we've learned from the last ride um my so my favorite roman reigns match is from 2014 i believe yeah and it was uh the shield versus evolution in a no holds barred match that went all over the arena it was bananas and it was so good it was the best thing about batista's return bet at that point it was the best thing it was the best thing you could have gotten out of an evolution reunion like yeah. evolution coming back together could have not gone well but pitting this sort of veteran stable against this up-and-coming stable and then actually working to make sure the up-and-coming stable is made to look like stars coming out of it was so so well done and it made it made the shield like the shield was already very popular, but this proved that the shield were bankable stars. And and this was the beginning of the sort of Roman Reigns ascension to heights, greatness. Um, I would also point out his match against John Cena was very good. Um, I do want to point out a, a comment from Daniel, which is something we will be discussing in the future. He says this may be a request instead of a question, but it'd be awesome if you could speak on the role of minority groups in wrestling from the perspective of the shows you follow. If there's still more work to be done in terms of representation in that industry. And if you could talk about your favorite wrestlers from those minority groups in order for the audience to learn about them. This is something we will be discussing in the future. And you've listened to the show for a few weeks. You know about our love for the new day. Um, I do have an obsession with Charles Wright and his uh, characters and also, I don't think I've ever talked about. I love Naomi. Oh, Naomi's great. Naomi's fantastic. Uh, but I will um, also say that, yes, there is work to be done. Oh, yeah, lots of work. There's so much work to be done. And I will just leave. Well, before we move on to the next question, I will leave you the, with this. The Mexicals. Like, that that alone is proof that there is so much work that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, next question. Oh, I believe our next question comes from GameSpot SEO editor, Chris Pereira, who asks the very timely very important and sort of earth shattering question was Scotty, in fact, too hottie and uh, Matt, I don't know yeah. about you. I have a I have a very serious answer for this. Oh, please, please go ahead. Um, during the time of the Attitude Era, I would say Scotty was not, in fact, too hottie. However, he became a firefighter afterwards, after leaving WWE, and then, in fact, became too hottie, literally and figuratively. Hmm. I understand what you're saying, but I vehemently disagree. He was, in fact, too hottie. Did you see how tall his hair? His hair was so tall that they had to cut the top out of his hat. Tall hair was not a symbol of hotness during that time. I had a mohawk. I know. Hard disagree. Scotty was too hottie. So I guess I was hotter than him at that time. And the Grandmaster was sexy. Manuel says, would you rather fight a great, great Kali sized El Torito or 10 Torito sized great Kali's? This is a good question. I would like to fight nobody. I would like to fight 10 El Torito sized great Kali's because I just want to see what that looks like. I'll, I'll take it. Do I get to have Bo Dallas with me? does the el do the el Torito size great Colies get to wear that el Torito horn helmet i would assume so wonderful can you imagine how cute the little brain the brain chop would be on a, on a great collie? like a like a little great collie? oh wait a minute chris what is it matt you, hold on yeah i'm putting my hand up to my ear because my ear because i i hear the closing soundtrack for this episode oh no are we done
1: is that it's really been, it?
0: It's, it's only been like an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. Well but by man, the time you hear it'll be cut down a lot more. Well, Matt, it's been fun knowing you. I'll see you later. Bye. Oh, you're not even gonna stop me. That's messed up. Okay. Hey, if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, it's at WrestleBuddies. Yeah, buddy. Ask us questions, wrestlebuddies at gamespot.com. Uh rate and I, review I us know. on iTunes, please. Like send us like show us some love if you rate and review us on itunes that creates uh more people can see the show and let me tell you about how many wrestling podcasts there are there's only four and they all start with the word wrestle so we're fighting them it's true there's eric bischoff's wrestle for 83 weeks stone cold steve austin's hey wrestle the stone Cold steve austin podcast (laughs) and then uh new day's wrestling okay Oh and how can we forget uh Eric Goldman and Matt Fowler's podcast. Oh yeah, we love wrestling. We love wrestling. And Marty D'Arose's Marty and Sarah love wrestling. Uh, so many good podcasts. But only one Wrestle Buddies. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us a rating and a review. Rating and or a review, both either, whatever. Whether you like it or not, let us know if we should fix things. We don't want to fix things. We like where it's at. I take so long to edit this show already. (laughs) Uh, And if you want to follow me, I am at Chris Hainer all over the place. Matt is I'm Matt Elfring. I am M-A-T-E-L-F-R-I-N-G all over the place. And we are ready to talk to you. So we'll see you next week when we finally unwrap the mystery Of what's under? What type of underwear does RoboCop wear? No, Matt, stop talking. He doesn't wear wear any underwear. Chris just confirmed it.